Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. How about them Cowboys? Yeah. So we won Oklahoma, and it was state, and it was state. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Well, Colby, um, hard to imagine the game at Central Florida going much worse than it did, but uh, you you were more nervous about this game than I was. But uh, it, it to me, it became comical as the night progressed. But how are you doing on this? We're taping this on Saturday night because we couldn't wait to just get this one over with. Yeah, last week we wanted to make sure we had a couple of hours uh, allotted so that we could dive through everything that happened in Bedlam. And this week we're like, hey, you want to just hop on and knock this out real quick? Uh, I was a little scared about this one. Again, I picked Oklahoma State to win the game. I thought that it would kind of be a close first half and then they would pull away. And it was just one of those things. um, I I mean, obviously 45 to three. Yes, you got dominated. But it was just it was a letdown game. It, It was the worst case scenario where you just come out and UCF has all the energy. It's their big space cadet night, and they're all out there playing like astronauts. And um, Oklahoma State gets run run over early. You turn the ball over on your first two possessions. You're down 17 to nothing. Oh, you want to come back from a big deficit? How about a downpour for you? Um, it was just one bad thing after another. But it, it's not something I'm going to freak out and lose sleep over. All things considered, I'm as um, unaffected by a, a 45-3 loss as I think you could be because – I don't know, Carson, I think the only thing that you really actually lost tonight in terms of your overall goals is probably the Heisman. Um, but Big 12 championship is still very much within the realm of possibility. So really bad day, but I don't want to totally freak out and overreact to just a complete letdown game where every last thing went UCF's way. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I think it's easier to get over when you get just completely embarrassed than it is losing on you know a last second field goal or something of that nature. But I'm sorry. Uh, as great of a job as Mike Gundy's done this year, and we went, we've gone on and on and on the last five weeks. They, they completely were not ready to play. I mean, they made UCF look like Georgia or Alabama. I mean, they completed what eleven passes, and he threw for three hundred yards. Like Brian Nardo got completely depantsed in this game. Like again, I will give UCF credit. Great opening drive, and I thought. It was really kind of funny to me, Colby. All all the OU homers in my timeline were just like, oh, boy, oh, boy. I mean, UCF, I mean, this is the team. I can't believe OU lost to this team. Oh, UCF's going to give them so much trouble. Like, guys, it is the literal first drive of the game. Like, pump the brakes. Well, then they went on to prove all those brain-dead idiots right by <laughs> just blowing OSU completely off the field. But the the way I look at this game, Colby, we all knew it was a letdown spot. Mike Gundy tried to fight against it. He did his best. And I thought the players let him down. I mean, Ollie Gordon fumbling on his second carry, which was not a big hit. It looked like a routine arm tackle. Just completely knocks the ball loose very easily. And then it just snowballed from there. I mean, they kept giving UCF short field after short field after short field to where I thought OSU was moving the ball just fine. And they had these horrendous tipped interceptions throughout the entire game. But first and foremost, Colby, like I'll give UCF credit for the first drive, but OSU just kept shooting themselves in the foot. I don't even, people are like out for Mike Gundy's blood right now on my timeline. And I don't understand it. Like don't fumble the ball, Ollie. Like Mike Gundy has been trying to tell you to be humble and continue to do the same things. He lets a routine arm tackle fumble on his second carry. That's inexcusable from the best player on your team. I mean, I thought Alan Bowman, I thought came out and played great. <laughs> I mean, he was basically being asked to do what he did against Oklahoma and beat him with his arm. And he was doing so he, he scrambles, they call holding Alan Bowman got hung out to dry in the first couple series. And I thought Ollie Gordon and the defense just didn't show up. And and I'm not going to throw Mike under the, under the bus for that. Yeah. I'm not mad at Mike Gundy today. I'm not really mad at, at Casey Dunn or Brian Nardo. Uh, I've said this, I I feel like way too many times and people are probably tired of hearing it. I'm going to say it again. This game is not played by robots. This game is played by human beings. These are young men and they gave you everything they had one week ago to give you one of the most special wins in program history. Um, 
And they came out totally flat today. I mean, like you said, Ollie, no ball security on that opening drive. That was just a routine arm tackle, and he just lost the ball. Again, that's just a young man making a bad mistake early in the game. Next series, you drive right down the field again. I thought Casey Dunn's plan right out of the gate was fantastic. Once again, they were marching on the first drive. The turnover undid it. They were marching on the second drive. Um, Bowman, and I think it was Leon Johnson, don't hook up on that left side. Ball's tipped up in the air, falls right into the hands of a UCF defender. Every ball that was tipped up in the air today fell right into the hands of a UCF defender. I, I really feel like the entirety of this football game was just the first quarter. The entire game was just the first quarter. And at that point, you came out flat, which I think we might have expected. I just didn't know it was going to be to that extent. But once you come out and dig yourself that hole, and then it starts pouring down rain, and now you're trying to come back from three touchdowns behind in a downpour, that's just not going to work. And, and then really, once you're down 17 to nothing, the icing on the cake at that point, what I really thought, I know it was still fairly early in the game, and yes, theoretically, you could come back. But with that weather and everything going on, I thought the dagger was a third and three where Kendall Daniels jumps offside. And, and again, it's just a young man making a mistake in that moment. He jumps offside. The quarterback just heaves one up off the right sideline. And then when he catches it, I, Corey Black just kind of stood there. I don't, I don't really know exactly what was happening there. Uh, again, I thought that there were key mistakes made um, by the, the young men who play this game in that first and probably early second quarter that just dug Oklahoma State a hole that was insurmountable, especially in that weather. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not freaking out. I'm not angry. Again, these are the same young men that gave you that special moment a week ago, and they're not robots, and they came out today, and they were flat, and they looked really bad. And I think you just, if you're the coaching staff, you burn that tape, you get back to work, you win the last two, and you go try to win a conference championship. It was just... I don't have a ton of ripping to do today. I, I think that this was um, human nature and mother nature combined, and the result was 45 to three, and you've got to get back to work and win your last two games. Well, and again, it you know, as much as I praise them, and the reason they beat Oklahoma was they played clean, sound football. And what you saw from the very beginning of the game was undisciplined football. I mean, just an egregious holding by Preston Wilson while Alan Bowman's scrambling and playing his ass off. I mean, just complete Alan Bowman got completely hung out to dry. Again, I'll keep saying it. The first two drives, he's playing his ass off, making plays, throwing the ball around, scrambling, doing everything he can to will this team back into the game after an early 14, nothing hole. And of course he almost, he gets hurt scrambling and Preston Wilson just grabs the dude's Jersey clear holding right by the, right by Alan Bowman. They're going to call that every time. Bad football, undisciplined football. They had procedure penalties. They had drops. They just, they weren't ready to play. And, and I guess you can blame Mike Gundy for that. I mean, I guess you can. I mean, where do you, where do you place the blame, Colby, on guys false starting and Preston Wilson while Alan Bowman is running for his life, doesn't, doesn't need you to hold and, and really going to kill the drive if you hold. You, you just hold the guy. Like, is that, is that Mike Gundy's fault? Is that Charlie Dickey's fault? Or is that the player? No, and I, mean, I mean, look, yes. In hindsight, can we sit here and say the coaches should have had him better prepared to play? Yes, but I don't know. Again, Ollie fumbles on the first drive. Then you get the holding penalty. The holding penalty, uh, I mean, maybe the guy gets Bowman right there. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe you've got first and goal inside the five, and you've got a chance to tie the game up, and then you immediately throw a pick. I, I don't know. Did the coaching staff not have them ready to play? Or were there just a couple of critical mistakes early in that game? And uh, again, I know that when when losses happen, everyone wants someone to blame, and I get that. And when a 45-3 to loss happens, everyone wants someone to blame, and I get that. I just think that, to an extent, it's part of it. Like, this team was riding an incredibly, incredibly high wave, and they came crashing back to earth today, and they were humbled today, and it all went wrong today. And, you know, they'd won six straight. They laid a complete egg. If they got all their bad football out of the way in, in, in one Saturday down in Orlando on a, in, a, in a downpour, then we're going to look back at this game as a blip in the radar if they win the next two and make it to Arlington. If they drop another one, then obviously we're going to look back at this uh, a little bit differently. But right now, I'm not ready to panic because the team goal of winning a Big 12 championship, I think, is still in front of them. So I, I know that the blame game is something everyone wants to play and um, people probably thought after a 45 to three loss that I would be angrier than this. I, I just, I really do think that, that human nature plays such a role in these things. 
and the amount of emotional and physical energy that was spent to beat Oklahoma a week ago left Oklahoma State with nothing coming into this game. Juxtapose that with UCF on the other side, who has Oklahoma State tied for the Big 12 lead. Ollie Gordon's getting all the hype. I mean, this is kind of, um, I mean, for 2023 anyway, this is UCF Super Bowl. Like, this was a big day for them with, with their, their Space Cadet shirts on. Um, they came That's ready to play with all the energy. Shirts. <laughs> they came to play with all the energy. Oklahoma State had no energy, got punched in the mouth at the beginning of the game, and then it started pouring down rain, and you just couldn't come back. I, I don't know. If people want me to be angrier, I'm sorry. Um, if they lose one of the next two, I'll be angry. If we get any kind of similar performance against Houston or BYU and they drop one of those games, I'll be angry because now you, you've come in unprepared um, after getting humbled and after the gut check and the reality check that today was. I'll be really mad if they drop one of the next two. But today, I just kind of accept that this is part of it um, and that we don't cover Georgia. We cover Oklahoma State. And sometimes these things are going to happen. It happened in a big and bad way today. And you just... The, the team, the coaching staff, everyone has to put the pieces back together and make sure that this game doesn't unravel what happened the last six weeks. Well, it is remarkable that you get completely embarrassed in Orlando to Central Florida, and you still pretty much control your own destiny to get to the Big 12 Championship. As long as Iowa State loses another game and they're at BYU tonight as we're taping this on Saturday night, then they're at home against Texas and they're on the road at Kansas State. I got to think there's a loss somewhere in there for Iowa State. Just just gonna, on a hunch. OSU literally has the tiebreaker over everyone else <laughs> in contention to make the Big 12 championship game. That's what was funny about this. You got you got Dennis Dodd, who I'm just going to go ahead and pour out a yingling right now for, for Dennis Dodd, one of the olds who I guess just can't keep up. He was shocked to learn that Michigan was spying on potential college football playoff opponents that weren't in the – the Big Ten, he, he found that out on Friday. And he basically said OSU was playing their way out of the Big 12 championship against Central Florida, not even knowing that, oh, by the way, they still, as long as they went out, are likely going to be in. Just pour a big old fat yingling logger out for Dennis Dodd, one of the olds who just has lost his fastball and can't keep up. But despite all that, Colby, they still control their own destiny as long as Iowa State loses a game. But I certainly don't like it. And Here's what you keep saying, like people probably expect you to be more mad. And to me, Colby, I don't know about you. How many times did you just laugh throughout this game? Because I'm telling you right now, it became comical between all of the tipped interceptions, the the free play offsides you reference, where the guy just shoves the corner out of the way for OSU. It's a free play. They go 80 yards. Then with the little like and then the monsoon occur. I'm trying to jump ahead to the 92-yard touchdown. I'm not there yet. Okay, you're down 17, 24, nothing, depending on what you want to classify as an absolute monsoon to where you can't run your offense. You can't just run all Ollie Gordon off tackle. You have to throw the ball. Then one of the worst rainstorms I've ever seen, it reminded, it reminded me of a movie you probably haven't seen considering you haven't watched Tombstone, Necessary Roughness. Uh, Texas State, Scott Bakula is the quarterback. Literal monsoon where you can't see five feet in front of you is raining so hard. Yeah, necessary roughness. Yeah, no, I have not seen that. Yeah, well, you need to watch it and Tombstone. We, uh, Dave Hudson, shout out to OKC Dave. He said we should just recap the movie Tombstone or just watch it live. But all that happens, Colby. OSU gets into the red zone after a turnover. It looks like they're going to get some momentum. 92-yard touchdown run. It was it became a comedy. It became a parody of the hangover game from varsity blues. Like even the script writers of varsity blues would have turned down some of the things that happened in this game against central Florida. It was that comical to me. Yeah, that's a great point. Whenever a game is close in the fourth quarter and there's like a massive coaching error or just a disastrous play where a guy doesn't know where he's supposed to be or just blows an assignment, those are things that make you angry. Those are things that make my head explode. Um, you, you know, a disastrous coaching decision late in the fourth quarter. We went over all the Venable stuff last week. Gundy's had a bunch of those over the years. That is what really gets me going um, and, and makes me angry. A game that you lose 45 to 3 in which you have a bunch of just weird turnovers. Like Oklahoma State 
Alan Bowman has been great at taking care of the ball. All of a sudden, the ball's bouncing up in the air and finding its way um, to, to an astronaut every single time. And Ollie Gordon's putting the ball on the ground. Like, it was just one thing after another, after another, after another. And then when you get even... And I don't really know how much hope it was because in that in that rain, I just I didn't think Oklahoma State had any chance to come back at any point. But when you're down 24 to three, and then you immediately cause a fumble, and then what was it two two plays later? I think another interception over the middle. It just and then the 92 yard run to to cap that off. It was just one thing after another where, like you said, it just it it turned into comedy instead of football, and that's. Uh, that's much, much less anger and more just kind of, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. Uh, let's just have a good chuckle, chalk this up to a weird day and move on to Houston. But we can't move on yet. We have to talk more about this. Oh, do we? Okay. All right. You lead the way. Well, like again, I'm not ready to let Brian Nardo off the hook, the defense, which I've been higher on than most. I mean, I really have, but you just, Let's just go through the, the box score here. Okay, Central Florida has 592 yards of total offense. Like, look, they, they're a good offense. Uh, they're not great. They got completely outgained by Cincinnati. Uh, they had 293 yards rushing. That's that's inexcusable. I don't care who you're playing. I don't care if there's rain. I don't care. Again, John Reese Plumley, who, one, has one of the worst haircuts I've ever seen in my life, and two has a knee brace that goes from his ankle pretty much all the way up to his hip. I mean, it's full-scale knee brace. It's like he has a bionic leg, and he runs for 74 yards on 14 carries, 5.3 a pop. He only completes 11 passes and throws for 299 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, R.J. Harvey, 24 carries, 200 yards, 206 yards, three touchdowns. Like, OSU's defense, Colby, was non-existent. And I don't want to hear any excuses about turnovers. Like, sometimes the offense puts you in bad positions, guys. You got to get stops. I thought this was the worst performance of Brian Nardo's young career. And I think it was even worse than, obviously, the South Alabama game. I really do. I thought it was an embarrassing performance uh, by the defense. And there's no other way to put it. We can we can laugh at, you know, silly tip balls, turnovers. We can kind of shake our heads at the weather, but that's a cause for concern moving forward, Colby. They were they were non-existent. And look, UCF's good on offense, Colby, but I don't want to hear that there's some juggernaut because they're not. No, they're not a juggernaut. And I, I think that the criticism is fair there because before things got out of hand, those first couple of drives there in the first quarter in the beautiful weather, uh, when you turn the ball over a couple times, you come out a little bit flat, you need your defense to kind of show you something there, right? And they didn't. They, they got punched in the mouth on that first drive. They come down the next time. You got the P.I. in the end zone. It, it was P.I. He got him probably a touchdown if he doesn't interfere there because he was beaten on the play. Um, Could have had another P.I. on the, the field goal drive that made it 17 to nothing on Cam Smith in the back of the end zone. Um, that one was probably a 50-50 call that you get away with. It, it was a very, um, yeah, it was a flat performance from the defense. They, they didn't seemed to get any pressure on the quarterback. They seemed totally unprepared for him to run the ball early in that game. Uh, He was just torching them on the ground, and Oklahoma State seemingly had no answer for that. Their running back, who is a good running back, he's a really good running back, but the tackling was poor today, and I think that is something, Carson, and and the rain, I'm sure, played a factor once you got into it a little bit, but even early in the game, the tackling wasn't there today, and the tackling has been really good for Oklahoma State since those first four weeks of the season. We talked in the bye week about just how far Oklahoma State was down on the list in terms of tackling nationwide. And since then, since the bye, Oklahoma State has been a great tackling football team. That went totally out the window today, the 92-yard run. I mean, they could have had him for probably three or four yards in the middle of the line, and then you could have had him down at the the 10 or 11-yard mark, and he ends up taking it 92 to the house. So if anything, I would say I was most disappointed in the tackling today. Um, the scheme, Brian Nardo, some of that thing, some of that was poor as well. They didn't seem totally prepared to defend the quarterback run game, the, the zone read, but the tackling was just absolutely abysmal and that's going to get you beat. Yeah. It, from, I think they had three missed tackles on the first drive. Uh, it was, it was brutal. Uh, you how, how, about about... The, how about the third and 15 Carson, where he scrambles for 17? Was that a little hard to watch? Oh yeah. They made, they made Johnny Nebrace look like Johnny Manziel. I mean, John Reese Plumley's a fine quarterback and they literally made him look like 
Johnny Manziel. It was it was embarrassing. Uh, did you see how bad his haircut was when they did that little like cute little video of him warming up? I I saw it, but I was doing something with uh, with the kiddo at that point, so I peeked up there for a second, but I, not not long enough to to clock the haircut. Yeah, it, it it was bad. It was as bad as it gets. Um, and that's not me just you know commiserating over an OSU loss again. You get you beat that bad, you get over it pretty quick. It just I can't believe they made John Reese Plumley look like Johnny freaking Manziel. That's 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 horrible. And again, that's credit to UCF. They came ready to play. Uh, I watched I actually watched a UCF podcast on YouTube. Uh, these two young guys did a really good job. Uh, they they really understood what OSU football is all about the program under Mike Gundy. Uh, they, they really went in depth on it and they both picked UCF to get just killed in this game. They picked up UCF to lose by, you know, two, three touchdowns that, that, that right there shows you that, you know, spots can be bad. You know, there can be hangovers from games, but OSU laid a complete and total egg in this game. I'm not here to listen to excuses. Guys that follow UCF as close as anybody, expected to get run off the field in this game. That's unacceptable from Oklahoma State. You can handle losing. I mean, you lose a road game in the Big 12, that can happen. But to get completely clobbered over the head, embarrassed, that that's inexcusable. And I expect I expect Oklahoma State to play much better in the next two games. But man, it was it was an embarrassment. What do you think of um Gundy playing Ollie as long as he did. I, I wanted him to get Ollie and Bowman out of there. I don't know why they played as long as they did. Yeah, at 31 to 3, I think is whenever I wanted them both yanked. At 24 to 3, I get it. You're down by three touchdowns. Uh you you feel like you can do something here. At 31 to 3, I'm like, uh, this isn't happening. In this weather, on this field, Ollie's already kind of limping around out there. That first interception. Um, he goes down low to make the play and he comes up lame. He laid over there for a minute. Um, he laid on the field for a minute last week in Bedlam. He's taken some shots, man, and, and he's just he's carried the ball a bunch over the last five weeks. We talked about it, but north of 150 touches, I think, over the last five weeks coming into today. I would have liked him out at 31 to three, um, unless I missed something after I turned the game off, which was like 38 to three, early fourth, probably. Uh, I think you avoided any kind of disaster there. But yeah, 31 to three is when I was ready to pull the plug. Uh, which I think, yeah, that would have been after the 92 yard touchdown. That's when I was ready to pull the plug on the starters, <laughs> yeah. get off, get off that wet field, <laughs> kick your feet up and get ready for the last two, hopefully three games. Uh, cause yeah, I, I didn't need to see anything more than that. Once it was 31. Uh, <laughs> you just had, I mean, again, this is one of those games you just have to laugh at again. When, once they had any semblance of momentum, 92 yard touchdown run. <laughs> Oh my God. All right. Let's get to the, uh, what do we, we got to do some sponsored elements here and get, we'll get the hell out of here. Uh, let's do the Chris's university spirit uniform review brought to you by Chris's university spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at Chris university spirit.com. We might, uh, have some bowl t-shirts available at some point. We don't know about bowl that will be, but Hey, maybe they'll make it to Arlington and, uh, they still have the inside track on that. And if they do so, you're going to want to have the freshest gear before you head down to Jerry world and face, you know, presumably the Texas Longhorns. But we appreciate Chris's sponsoring the podcast. Uh, Colby, we we whiffed on our predictions. They did not do color versus color. We thought with the light blue jerseys, they might let OSU wear orange or black. But uh, OSU went with what I call the Cleveland Browns look, the uh, orange, white, black. What do you think of it? Uh, I think after today, you might have to torch them. I think you might have to torch this combo for all of eternity. Maybe not all of eternity, but I think it definitely needs to go into timeout for a good little while. My one-year-old climbed up me just now. So if you're hearing that, that's my co-host. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the orange, white, black curse of Cowboys just standing alone by itself. Decent look, not my favorite of all time, but once you lose 45 to three, I think this one might be on the shelf for a long time, Carson. Well, and, and look, I think on paper wearing orange, white black would look good because I, I do love the black white orange tricolor look but just when you get the overhead tv camera further away it just it looks like the cleveland browns when they're on the road when they wear the orange helmets and the brown pants it just it's not a good look and i know everyone pointed out i think they wore it last year against kansas state when they just got train wrecked so maybe it is time to retire it i will point out though i think they wore that 
they've won that in Texas twice in Austin and won. So you can't just blame wins and losses on uniforms, folks. But I just don't think it's one of their better looks. I would have preferred to see black, white, black. I would have preferred to see black, white, orange again. I, pr- I probably would have preferred to see orange, white, orange. So, yeah, I think it was way down my list of uniforms I wanted to see. Yeah, it's it's not one of my favorites. Like you said, very Cleveland Brownsy, and it just doesn't look quite as clean and sharp as the others. Again, Oklahoma State doesn't have any bad uniforms. There are no bad combinations, but this certainly isn't going into the uh, Hall of Honor, the Ring of Honor of Oklahoma State Cowboy uniforms. Yeah, I agree. All right, I've got a Yingling traditional lager right in front of me right now, which can only mean one thing. It's time for the toast of the weekend. Not the week, the weekend. And Colby, feel free. You know, you gave out a ton of yinglings on our toast of the week after they won Bedlam. Feel free to pour out a 12-pack, a 24-pack, however many packs you opened against Bedlam. Uh, Feel free to pour that out this week on this week's segment. But again, we're sponsored by Yingling, America's oldest brewery. It's a family-run business. Uh, I love the traditional lager. I've really been hyping up the flight. I had somebody, Colby, we got to get you on the uh, pistols firing blog chamber, the message board. Those folks want you there. They were tweeting at you to come join the chamber. It's more less toxic uh, than Twitter. And uh, someone on the chamber, along with requesting your presence on the chamber on pistols firing was saying that not only is the flight way better than Michelob Ultra, it's also now cheaper at his local gas station. I believe he was an on queue. So be sure to stop by your nearest on queue, get you the flight. It blows the Mick Ultra out of the water. It's not even close. Way more flavor, uh, way more texture. It's not that watered down nonsense. So uh, we appreciate Yingling sponsoring the podcast. All right, Colby, you, uh, you cracking open a 24 pack to pour out or are you going to give a toast first? I mean, <laughs> who would I give a toast to? Who would I give a toast to today? I, I'm looking around. Oh, you around. could toast uh, RG3 for having a great time and a 45 to 3. I mean, that, that was the worst part of today. I didn't listen to that guy for three yeah. hours. That was a little rough. When he first He's started, terrible. when he first started, I kind of liked his energy. Um, and he still brings the energy, but I don't think the analysis is very good. And I don't know if you heard it. He got several names wrong today. Rashad Evans across the middle would have been one of them. There was UFC another one. fighter. Yeah, yeah, there was another one that caught me off guard. So well, I think dude, he has to first... turn every name into a freaking pun. Like Lots at one puns. point, it was like the, Javon Baker had another touchdown. He's like, he or no, it was uh, John Reese Plumley, the quarterback. He's like, I call him, I call him uh, Minuteman because he he can get offense going like like Rice because his name's John Rice Plumley. Like one minute right, like dude, not and he, he had some terrible Baker pun too. It's like, dude. Not every name needs to be some cute little pun, bro. Like, you're not singing nursery rhymes. You played football at the highest level of college football. You won a Heisman. Like, teach us stuff about football. Like, quit trying to be cute. Quit trying to be funny. You're terrible at your job. He's terrible. It's also, about, and, and here's the thing. Years ago, guys that played against him that I knew on the team at OSU hated RG3. Well, you're, you're starting to see a little bit why. Cause it's all about RG three. It's not about the game. It's not about your team playing. It's about him. Look at me. I'm RG three. I'm cute. I'm funny. Ooh, look at me. I'm fun. Ooh, no dude. Just call the game. That's not why you're there. You're not the, you're not the star of the show, bro. It's not the RG three show. God, I'm tired of that guy. And it feels like we've had him every game this year. We've only had him twice, but it feels like every game. I guess this counts as my pouring a beer out Colby. I'm going to pour out a friggin' keg. For RG3, dude, like, just call the game. Teach us about football. Like, I don't need a nursery rhyme about John Reese Plumley or Javon Baker or OG2. Just call him Ollie Gordon. His name's Ollie Gordon. All right? Yeah. Sorry. You good? That's that's my, that's my pour out of the week for RG3, who, again, I know guys that competed against him. They they had a lot of respect for dudes that played at OU, dudes that played at Texas. They freaking hated RG3. And now you get to see why when he calls games, because it's all about him. It's not about the guys playing the actual game. It's not about him doing his job. It's the RG3 show. To Colby, I joked about him skydiving into the stadium. We're, we're a few weeks away from that happening. He's going to skydive in and be like, look at me. I'm here to call the game, guys. It's the RG3 show. All right, I'm done. 
Uh, well done. Have yourself another Yingling, sir. That was uh, that was a great soapbox about RG three. Also, I don't know how many college football games you've gotten to watch this year outside of Oklahoma State. I also don't know why ESPN insists on playing video. Is that RG three coming after you? Is he? Is he uh, it must be. It must have been RG three coming after me. But I have heard him this season on no less than three occasions tell me that a player has more moves than a military family, and it was kind of funny the first time. And then the second and third time that I've heard him recycle that same joke, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know, Bob. Maybe we need to come up with something new in this instance. It's so bad. Like, dude, like, try less, okay? Try less. You know what I'm going to give a toast of the week to? Actually, I'm going to give out a toast. You know what I'm going to give it to? I'm going to give it to Marshall Scott. That's who I'm giving it to. Pistols firing zone because he messaged us the other day, and he was on his way to the Orlando airport. He went to Florida, flew down there, had to sit and watch this game, wherein Oklahoma State was pretty much getting its teeth kicked in from the opening kickoff on for 60 minutes, and now he's going to have to fight the Orlando airport to get back here. That is dedicated coverage on what had to have been just beyond a miserable day in Orlando. I hope uh, that that maybe his wife went down there with him and they're, they're going to be able to go to some amusement parks or do something to salvage the trip to Florida. Um, yeah, sometimes when you cover these games, you, you get something you didn't really sign up for, and I think that might have been the case today with Marshall. Man, there are few places I'd rather be than the Orlando airport. I've had nothing but horrific experiences there. I think if you travel there during the holiday season, which I had to cover that stupid bowl game in Orlando many times with OU and OSU, it's the seventh circle of hell. Uh, All the Disney kid traffic for holiday. Oh, it's bad. So, yeah, Marshall's going to need a lot of yingling on his way home because that that place stinks, and he had to sit through that, obviously, that performance. You know what? Uh, It's the the anti-Reno airport. Have you ever flown through Reno? No, I never have. Okay, so I've flown through Reno and I've flown through Orlando. If you fly through Orlando, you will never come across any place in your life with more two through five-year-olds, right? And on the way down, when you get there and everybody's headed out, they're all happy. And then on the way back, they're all miserable, right? Because they're leaving (laughs) Disney World. Reno is the anti-Orlando. Reno is where all of the... 84-year-olds riding around on their little rascals fly in to go play the slots. I was out there uh, this summer when I went to to Tahoe with NBC for that tournament, and I was stunned by the average age in the Reno airport and the sheer number of little rascal scooters that were working their way around that place. It was wall-to-wall. It was just wall-to-wall rascals flying into Reno, about to go dump a bunch of coins into slot machines it was incredible <laughs> why reno they're just they're scared of vegas it's just cheaper than vegas why do they all flock to reno well a, a bunch of people do go to vegas obviously but i would imagine that's a little bit younger of a crowd i yeah. think reno is where all of the older people who just want to go hang out and play slots and just be away from all the chaos that is vegas they go to reno and they do it there and um i had a conversation with one lady she said her and her friend come there every year i don't know how i always wind up in these conversations um, probably because I'm too talkative whenever I'm in public. But yeah, she said her and her, her and her bestie, they've been coming for like 20 years. They come to Reno for one weekend every year and dump a bunch of money in the slot machines and then they go home. It was, uh, and she was in her little, her little motorized wheelchair there <laughs> in the airport. It was quite the experience. Oh, that's good stuff. Uh, so I poured one out. I'm going to give a toast. I'm going to give a toast and pour one out both to Michigan football. Colby, did you see that Michigan against Penn St- against big bad Penn State, who's eight and one, you know, big time top ten matchup. Penn State, all they do is beat on these rum dumb terrible teams in the Big Ten. Did you see Colby? Michigan did not attempt to pass after seven minutes left in the second quarter. Oh my God! Did not even attempt. Like didn't complete one. No, no, no. That's not the stat. Didn't even attempt a pass. After seven minutes left in the second quarter. So pretty much three quarters of a football game in a top 10 matchup. They knew they didn't even have to attempt a forward pass against big, bad Penn state who everyone keeps telling me so good. The big 10 stinks. And the fact Michigan doesn't even have to attempt a forward pass to win that conference only further proves the point. Maryland beat Nebraska today. 
three and seven Purdue beat Minnesota. Northwestern beat Wisconsin. I mean, did you see that there's a chance they could have an all-way tie in the Big Ten West, Colby? That's still in play, I think. I did see the possibility of the all-way tie. I also saw where the over-under in the Iowa Rutgers game was sub-30. It was like 29, I think, was the over-under. And if you were an under-better, you never really had to sweat it. I think it was 3 to nothing at halftime. And then despite an offensive explosion in the second half, I mean, <laughs> Iowa just getting ungodly hot offensively. The game finished 22 to nothing, and uh, the under easily hit. I think that's 8 out of 10 Iowa games in which the under has hit this year and these are unders that are being set now in the 20s and 30s and probably earlier this season there were maybe some in the low 40s and the unders hit eight out of 10 times um and yet Iowa is an eight and two football team I don't know have you have you read some of the drama up there with the uh administration coming in and basically announcing mid-season Brian Ferentz isn't coming back and I guess Kirk Ferentz is pissed and there's all this drama now in in Iowa yeah like Kirk Ferentz isn't committed to continue to coach, even though he's like the longest tenured coach in college football. Is that what's And he's making that? $8 million. Yeah. To literally just beat up on the odd scheduling when they don't have to play Ohio state and Michigan, basically just don't be completely inept. Like Colby, Nebraska has a losing season, seven of the last eight years in the big 10 West. Like, do you know how hard that is to do? Like Iowa just has gotten out of their own way and not done that. <laughs> And Kirk Ferentz has made $8 million as a result. So now I, it's don't nepotism, man. Don't hire your son to be the office quarter. And Bobby Bowden did it with Jeff Bowden. Don't do it. It never ends well. It, it, it's, it's terrible. Uh, yeah, there's a, I'm trying to think of a good father son combo right now in coaching. Whenever Tom Brady was with the Patriots, we could have made the argument that it was Bill and Steve, but now that Tom Brady is gone, that thing is a total dumpster fire. Is there a single Father-son coaching combo off the top of your head you can think of in collegiately or at the NFL level that has really not, been successful? It's not Steve Spurrier. I'm sure there's someone we're missing. There's probably someone we're missing. Somebody somebody tweet us if you can think of something. Um, it's not Snyder. Remember, people wanted Bill Snyder's yep. kid run out of town, too. That, it, yep. it usually does not work, no. No, it almost never works. Um, speaking of Twitter... Carson, you want to get to some of the questions slash comments that we've yeah, got? Yeah, you got you got one queued up. I mentioned Dave Hudson saying that you should just watch Tombstone. I, I still can't believe you haven't watched that. That's that's kind of it's kind of bad form, Colby, because considering how many OSU games you've been to when you know Kurt Russell, the best version of Wired Earps up there yelling at, on your Jumbotron, you haven't seen the movie. Yeah, that is bad. I do need to get around to that. I will say, um, with a one year old, we watch an just remarkably small amount of TV. It took us, I don't know, it took us like 10 months to get through Succession. We just finished that a couple of weeks ago. Um, now we're watching I need to Sex watch Education. that. I'm behind on that. Okay, yeah, it, it's good. It's, um, yeah, I'll just, I'll let you watch it. It's good. It's definitely worth watching. Um, we're watching Sex Education now on Netflix. We're on the most Great recent show. season. Finished it. Know. Finished it. Elite show. Love it. Okay. Don't, no spoilers. We're like three episodes into the most recent season, and it is, Man, it is so good. It is elite. In terms it's of like a elite. comedy that also has some real life mixed in, it is an elite television it has, show. It has real heart. Uh, Eric is my favorite. He's the dude. I love Eric. <laughs> Eric's incredible. He's one of my favorite TV characters on any show that we've watched in the last few years. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, this is, this is by the way, exactly where I hope this podcast would end up. Yeah, we're talking about Eric from Sex Education. I'm, Sydney, my wife, is going to get a huge kick out of this because she obviously is a big fan of him, too, and that show. So, yeah. Where yeah. are we so, going uh, with this? Twitter questions? Uh, Twitter cues. Yeah, I'll start. And this isn't so much a um, question as a statement. Jacob Sturm says Big 12 championship game scenario needs to be discussed. We kind of touched on it earlier, but just to very clearly lay it out for everyone. Um, Oklahoma State now has two losses in the conference. They own the tiebreaker over Kansas State, over Kansas and over Oklahoma, who are three other teams floating in the same realm as Oklahoma State. Iowa State has two conference losses at the moment, but they play at BYU tonight. They still have Texas, and they still have Kansas State. <clears throat> Pardon me. Texas um, will most likely win out, barring an upset. They have TCU. They have Iowa State, and I can't remember who their final game is. Texas Tech, maybe. Um, so Oklahoma State, if they win out, should still hold the tiebreaker over those teams. What, what am I missing? Am I missing anything scenario wise there? No, that's it. I mean, it's pretty simple. Oh, she wins out. 
They need Iowa State to lose a game. How about this? If OSU wins out and Texas wins out, those two teams play for the Big 12 title. Exactly. Well, not necessarily. I mean, if Iowa State wins out, they're in. Texas plays Iowa State. Or Wait, does that put Iowa State in, or does that just knock OSU out? Uh, are you I saying if just... Iowa State were to win out? Yeah, because I don't think Iowa State holds all the tiebreakers, obviously. If no. Iowa State were to win out, then they would have two conference losses. Texas would have two conference losses. K-State would have three, so they would be out. So Iowa State would have two, and Kansas would have two. Kansas would hold the tiebreaker over Iowa State, but we would hold the tiebreaker over Kansas. Oh, that would get messy. That it would get messy. really messy. Here's um, the deal. Iowa State's losing tonight to BYU. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it I'm, at 7, 12 p.m. on Saturday night. They're going to lose, and we don't have to talk about it. But, yes, if OSU wins out, Texas wins out, they're likely in. But here's the deal, Colby. Like, OSU's defense better come ready to play. I don't care. Like, Houston can beat you if you can't stop them. I mean, if you, if you just let guys run wide open through your safeties, like, you, can, you lose to Houston. They're the worst team in the Big 12. So they better get their heads screwed on straight because that was not the case against UCF. What is your, this isn't on Twitter, I'm just asking you, scale of 1 to 10, your concern that Oklahoma State loses one of its next two games after what we watched today? Shockingly low, considering the opponents. And, like, look, if if B, if the next two were on the road, I'd be way more concerned. I think I would far rather play Houston on the road in that little rinky-dink Tonka truck stadium they got in Houston than going to Provo. That game's at home against BYU. They go to Houston. Uh, I get the scenario that they faced. <laughs> I mean, again, that game was just a complete comedy show from, from start to finish the way it started the monsoon, everything we've discussed. Uh, I expect to see a team that looks closer to the team that played Oklahoma moving forward than the team that played UCF. So my, on a scale of one to 10, I'm about a, it should be about a, a one or a two. I'll put it at a four based on what I saw today. Okay, you're putting it at a four. I think I've still got it at a two. I really do. I think today's game was a fluke. I think the first quarter went very poorly, and then it started pouring down rain. Um, Maybe that's me being overly optimistic, but I I told myself last week I'm not going to overreact to to one little bad thing that happens. Um, You know what I'm going to say? In Gundy, we trust. I think he's going to go back. (laughs) I think they're going to be ready to play against Houston next week. That's the one that you've got to win. BYU in the friendly confines of Boone Pickens Stadium. Student section may not be as crazy that week, holiday weekend, Thanksgiving, people leave. But I still imagine that crowd will be pretty good, especially if you beat Houston next week and a Big 12 championship berth is on the line. So, um, yeah, may- maybe a two is too low, but I'm I'm sticking to what I <clears> – pardon me, my God. I'm sticking to what I said a week ago. In Gundy, we trust, Carson. I think he gets them ready to play for these that, last two games. That's a good homework. This is good homework for us. You you said on this show after they beat OU that you would just say in tough times and Gundy we trust. So you, you're practicing your homework that you gave yourself for this week. If they lose next week, week, I if they lose next week, I'm going to fail my homework assignment. Um, this was a good question. I saw some back and forth on this uh, from Daddy Trube, loyal follower. Shout out to Daddy Trube. He says, "Why were we not prepared for the rain?" and the bringing no rain gear with us to Orlando. I've been seeing some back and forth. Brian Keating ripped the the entire pro- – he ripped the program, just not being ready to play, not having the proper rain gear. And uh, Matt Davis, chief, uh, Rex and chief on Twitter, clapped back at Brian saying they had rain gear. The ESPN sideline reporter was mistaken, which could certainly be the case. But I also think Chris Budden didn't get to where she is by just – being oblivious i think she saw people were scrambling on the sideline to get footballs underneath the medical tent that it, it it wasn't a good look colby with the the rain the the literal monsoon that poured in you know espn sideline reporters reporting what she sees and she saw a sideline that was kind of scrambling for answers and didn't have a whole lot now uh matt davis says that they have rain gear some guys don't like to wear it when it's warm outside it depends on who you believe but either way colby it looked like they were scrambling from top to bottom, from coaching staff to equipment staff to players. When the when the momentum was surging against them, they looked completely flabbergasted from top to bottom as a football program, in my opinion. 
Yeah, no, you're not wrong. And I, I will say coming right out of halftime, like that first drive to start the third quarter, they just kind of tossed it into the broadcast. You could have easily missed it. But they did say that Oklahoma State had its rain gear, but they left all their rain gear in the tunnel because it wasn't supposed to rain. And that was a pop-up storm that just made its way over Orlando. That happens, obviously, in Florida from time to time. And Oklahoma State was just woefully unprepared for that rainstorm. Um, now, yeah, I mean, should you have had that stuff out there considering the locale and all that? Yes. Um, but yeah, it wasn't that they didn't take it down there. They said on the broadcast that it was in the tunnel and coming out of second half, they had it all ready to go. But yes, when it started pouring down rain at the end of the first quarter, start of the second, yeah, the, the, the rain gear was in the tunnel and that was just another, um, that was just one more thing to add to the list today. It's, it, it was a long list, Carson. Um, Kevin House said, any chance this is every bad luck play for the season? I want to be very clear. <laughs> I want to be very clear when I say that bad luck does not get you beat 45 to three. And then I want to follow that up by saying, oh, my God, could could another tip ball possibly bounce right into the hands of a UCF defender? Oh, I mean, having to move. And it didn't was that guy have three picks and he, he acted like he was going to win the freaking Thorpe Award when the, he had balls just bouncing right into his lap. Yeah, it's not like he was Dion. It's not like this is, is prime in his prime. No, no, no. Oh, he acted These like balls it. bouncing into the air and hitting you right between the hands over and over and over again. It was uh, it was pretty wild. Oh, uh, it was it was again. It was comedic at, at certain points. Um, this this was this one's appropriate for this podcast from Rick Ellis. Arguable, every Oklahoma State result this year is the same as an actual fight between the school mascots. And I want to go through this. Uh, Central Arkansas. What are they? Central Bob- Arkansas is the Bears. Bobcats? I thought they were the Bears. Bears, yeah, Bears. Uh, yeah, Pistol Pete shoots them with a shotgun. At at Arizona State, the Sun Devil, Sparky. He's a little. He's a little. We all know the Devil does not triumph, so he he goes down. They lose to the Jaguars of South Alabama. I'm guessing this Jaguar came down from a tree and caught Pistol Pete off guard. Have you seen the video of the Jaguar going in the uh, Nile River and pulling a, not the Nile River, the Amazon River and pulling a crocodile out and yes. eating it? Yes, yeah. that's the first Jag- thing I thought Jag- of when I saw this result. Bingo. Jaguar is a scary, scary cat. Uh, Cyclone. Cowboys lose to Cyclones a lot, a.k.a. Tornadoes. Uh, lost that one. This this tracks so far, Colby. <laughs> uh, Wildcat, yep, shoots him dead. Pistol Pete undefeated there. Jayhawk, oh, get out of here. We we hunt Jayhawks for fun on the weekend. I think I could beat a Jayhawk in a fist fight. Yeah, you don't even need your weapon at that point. Uh, Mountaineers, like it, it's like the movie Tombstone, which you haven't seen, Colby, but basically the Cowboys versus, you know, the Mountaineer. I think they 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 obviously won that one. Uh, they, they got the best of them. Uh, Bearcats, hunt those for fun. Sooners are these helpless little, you know, Land runners trying to just make their way across the United States. They get robbed and pillaged, and the Cowboys win that one. This this tracks. And then the Golden Knights got that armor, Colby. They couldn't they couldn't shoot through the armor, and they got you know beheaded today, forty five to three with the sword. Uh, yeah, man, the armor on that Golden Knight must be some serious stuff. I mean, is the Golden Golden Knight wearing Kevlar? Like, what's going on down there? Well, I think the monsoon. Pistol Pete couldn't get his thumb on the trigger. He couldn't get his thumb on the uh, the six shooter. Touche. Touche. Water in the shotgun. It jammed, I, perhaps. I think from Rick Ellis, this tracks. Uh, yes, he, no, he actually commented great on this. Uh, he said, Sugar Bear is a small, gentle, Sun Devil, Pitchfork, Magic, Debatable, Jaguar, Fast, Fierce, Dead, Cyclone, Big Storm, Dead, Wildcat, Danger, but not as fast, Jayhawk, Bird, Mountaineer, Too Long to Reload the Musket, Bearcat, ugly, sooner, easy, knight, armor, and sword, dead. That tracks. Well done, Rick Ellis. Uh, yeah. That's what this podcast deserved, is to go through the schedule based on who would have won in an actual fight. And all they've got left now is cougars. Just nothing but cougars. Two cougars. Yeah. Cougars on cougars on cougars. We talking animal or, you know, cougar cougars. Yes. Yes, we are. We are talking both. <laughs> Just okay. cougars all around. Uh, Buffalo K-State on Twitter says, do we deserve this after enjoying the Bedlam win too much? And I don't know what you think, Carson, but I don't think that there is anything as enjoying that Bedlam win too much. I'm still enjoying that Bedlam win tonight. 
the, the, the drubbing in Orlando has not even knocked me off my high horse from what <laughs> happened in Stillwater a week ago. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if we deserve this or not, but I know that we're not enjoying the Bedlam win too much because that limit does not exist. I don't think anyone deserves to sit through that monsoon and listen to RG3 for three hours. But do you know what this you know what this game really reminds me of? And not, this game wasn't as big of a blowout, but when Oklahoma State beat Georgia, they just opened Boone Pickens Stadium, Des Bryant's on the cover of SI. Do you know what happened the very next week, Colby? That was the Houston game, wasn't it? Got beat on their home field by Houston. Daniel Holgerson, famously the offensive coordinator there that year. Case Keenum came into Stillwater and uh, beat OSU. It kind of kind of reminded me of that game. You know, kind of a signature program win, and then you lose the very next week to a, you know, Houston UCF. Very similar level of program. Yeah, that was maybe the only home game in the 2000s that my family did not attend. We were in Arlington for a Texas Rangers game that day. Uh, Rangers game was at night. I think Oklahoma State was in the afternoon. So we watched Oklahoma State get beat. I think it was 45-35 by Case Keenum and those guys. Um, yeah, we thought we were going to go down, just watch Oklahoma State beat up on Houston and then go enjoy a baseball game. And that Saturday went a little differently than we had anticipated. Yeah. Any more Twitter questions? Are we ready to get out of here? Uh, one more. E.K. Climber asks, shades of 2022 KSU today, are we poised for a repeat of last year's collapse? Carson, I don't know about you. I personally do not think so. I think this was much more of a one-off, emotional letdown, fluky, monsoon, Every everything went their way. I just I think that this was more one bad day than indicative of something that's going to linger and be a, a long-term problem. Yeah, I mean, again, I... I prefaced my pick on this game with if OSU gets behind, they're just their offense is not built to play from behind. So don't turn, don't your Heisman contender can't put the ball on the ground in a very, and again, I, I've said this for years about Ollie and other running backs. If a guy puts a helmet on the ball, fine, like that, that can happen. Uh, that's not really your fault. But a, a barely an arm tackle just, jars the ball loose by 10 yards that's 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 bad football this offense is not built to play from behind so casey dunn keep doing what you're doing on first drives he did his part the offense botched it the players botched it this offense is not built to play for, uh from behind so as long as they continue to do what they've been doing and not just needlessly give the ball away i think they'll be fine moving forward uh so no i'm i'm not panicking i think they win the next two games and they go to arlington yeah, I think so, too. I think that that's the most likely scenario. Uh, and if that doesn't happen, then my tone will probably change one of the next two weeks if they fall to any of the Cougars that they have on the upcoming schedule. Yep, two Cougars. Um, we'll see if they win the fist fight with the Cougars or if the Cougars lure them in to, you know, Red Rock on a Thursday night wearing red. That's an inside joke for people from Oklahoma City. Okay, we'll yeah, I guess I didn't people get that. I'm not that. from Oklahoma City, but I live here now. I don't get that one. Well, you weren't single very long. You got married in college, but that's there, a good point. There, yep. There's going to be some people that get that on this pod and they're going to laugh. <laughs> and I hope they're enough. It. Fair enough. A weird podcast. And that's a great way to end it. Colby, get oh, us out of here and we'll, all right. We'll catch up to preview uh, the matchup with Houston next week. Most definitely. Thanks everyone for listening. As always, it was a tough Saturday. Uh, don't let it get you down too much. Big 12 championship could very well still be in the cards. Thanks for listening. As always go folks.